Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be. We need Epic Dads now more than ever. And it is your responsibility and obligation to become the best father you can be and show your kids what is possible. Listen in for weekly tips, strategies, and actions you can take to go from average dad to epic dad. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Camp here, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. And my mission is to help you level up as a dad and become the husband, father, and man you are called to be because your family needs you to step up. Our country, your community, our, the world needs you to step up and lead. The reason that we have seen such a decline in our culture is because of the lack of leadership and fathers. And so that is my mission is to help you level up. That is the mission of this podcast. So, hey, if you're new to the show, I want to say thank you so much for being here. The show has been growing a ton and the only way that we grow is by word of mouth. So I know that you guys that have been listening have been sharing the show. So I want to say thank you so much. And that is really my only ask um, of you listening to this show is I want you to do two things. If you find value from this episode specifically, I want you to scroll down and leave us a rating and review. It takes about 30 seconds just to uh, leave us a star rating. Let us know what you think about the show. And then also I want you to share this episode with one other dad in your network. Uh, because we never know what anyone else is going through. And us as dads, we try to shoulder the weight of the world um, without telling anyone, right? We are we are so prone to keeping things inside. And so we may not know what another dad is going through. And this episode might be what they need to raise their hand, to try to get help, and really try to become the best versions of themselves, which is exactly what we need. So that's my two asks is rate and review, and then share this show. All right, guys. Hey, so with today's guest, we talk a lot about how being physically fit is the gateway drug to personal excellence and how building the discipline to lose weight, to gain muscle, to eat the right foods. It ultimately leads to greater success in all of the areas of your life. <clears throat> so if you are a dad who maybe has tried to do this on your own <clears throat> and you failed in the past, well, let me tell you, it's, it's not your fault. Uh, one of the most important things you need on your journey to become fit is a community and accountability. So anyone can download a fitness program on Google, right? Anyone can Google what foods do I need to eat to lose weight? It's not rocket science. A, a new plan is not what you need. What you need is a community of men that are on the same journey as you and a group of absolute savage dads that are going to hold you accountable to becoming the type of person that you say you want to be and hold you accountable to the actions that you say you are going to do. So if this sounds like you, if you have tried to lose weight in the past and you just haven't been able to have the discipline to do it, and you just don't know how, right? I would like to invite you to join our Epic Dad Accelerator. The Accelerator is a 90-day intensive program where our community will totally transform not only your body, but your mindset, your discipline, your habits around our four pillars, which is our body, relationships, mind, and finances. And we will hold you accountable to becoming the husband, father, and man that you are called to be. If you know deep down that you are not being the leader you can be, if you know that you are capable of more, you are. Our families need us to step up and become the men that we are capable of. We owe it to them to become the best versions of ourselves. The Epic Dad Accelerator is by application only. 
So if this sounds like something you think would drive value for your life, then hit the link down below and schedule a call with myself or my team. And let's see if it is a good fit. Uh, however, we can only take on so many clients at a time. So if this is something that you would find value in, go ahead and do it now. So hey guys, today I've got on Mike Pantile. Mike is a husband, a father of two girls. He's a content creator. He's a coach and co-host of the Masculine Revival podcast. Mike started his journey in the world of competitive powerlifting, where he worked his way up to 300 pounds, and he deadlifted more than I can possibly imagine. And over the next 14 months, Mike worked to lose over 100 pounds by learning how and what to eat and becoming disciplined in the kitchen and in the weight room. His journey around fitness led him to start a gym and a personal training company, and ultimately to his wife and now two daughters. Now Mike runs a personal development coaching business and co-hosts the Masculine Revival podcast. And on today's episode, Mike and I chat about why and how value should drive our decisions as fathers, why personal fitness and discipline is the gateway to personal excellence, how we talk about raising girls in this crazy world, a bunch of dad, uh, girl dad stuff. And we also talk about why the key to changing the culture lies at the feet of fathers. All right, gents, buckle up as we go into a ton of valuable discussion during this episode. All right, let's hop into it with Mike Pantile. Mike, what's up, brother? Dude, I am happy to be on it. We've been trying to plan this for months. And last, I remember last time we tried to plan it, the night before my wife and I planned this like spontaneous trip to the mountains before she, you know, yeah, she gave yeah. birth. And I felt so terrible about canceling, man, because I know you're such a solid dude. I've been looking forward to this one. So anyways, I'm just happy to be here, dude. Dude, I'm glad to have you on there. Was that kid one or kid two for you? Kid, kid two? Okay, so you got two now, joining the two club. You, you got two girls? Two girls, man. Girl dad yeah. times two, bro. That's why I was, dude, I'm definitely picking up a bunch of your girl dad AF shirts. Those are like the coolest that I've ever seen, man. So you'll see me rocking that in my, in my gym. Dude, shots for sure, soon. man. Well, we're going to have a, a ton of more apparel coming out soon, man. Um, we're doing you know, like, just to give you context with like the business and like the, the listeners that they're, that they're curious. It's like, we've kind of reached, like we've reached like a peak and then, uh, it's, everything's been me, right. It's been like complete solopreneur and I just like oh, yeah. burn out. I just, you know, I can't do all this shit myself. So, um, it's awesome. We've been growing a ton. But then I'm the constraint in the business. So now my goal is how do I structure it, right? And how do I bring on resources to help get some things off my plate so we can continue to grow? Because I just can't grow it anymore just by myself. So there's a lot of stuff in the works, man. We've got like a whole new apparel line coming out that we'll launch here in Q4 and start pushing that. So we're, we'll definitely see some swag, brother. I love it, bro. I'm looking forward to it. And the, there's a lot of business growth happening. You have the acquisition.com hat on. So you're on that Harmozy grind. <laughs> have you, have you read his new book? Yeah, I mean, I have. Yeah, so I listened to the audio version, and I actually finished up reading it last night. But uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, Hormozy's the man. Um, I think that launch was incredible. Like, yeah, it was crazy. He, eh? He's the man. And I, yeah, I was on a live, and I was like, dude, I gotta, gotta get a hat, man. I got three, three books. Get a hat, you know. I, I definitely got to pick up the book. Hundred million dollar offers was one of the best business books I've ever read. So, shameless plug for Hormozy. Everybody knows him. If you don't, like, I, I just don't. If you're in the business space, where, where have you been? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of like where we're at too, right? So on, the, on the content piece, it's like, you know, we just need more volume, right? To, to get the word out yeah. there so people know about the brand, know about the message. And and so that's kind of one of the reasons I'm starting to bring on a team as well is, you know, we, we've got to be putting out more content, um, you know, so we'll be, uh, you know, uh, bigger focus on Twitter. Um, you know, we'll start doing a ton of YouTube shorts and stuff like that, right? From these podcasts. And and so, you know, it's just volume, brother, is like the name of the game. It's a tough nut to crack that Twitter game, you know? Yeah, I got like 20 the, followers, dude. It's a tough <laughs> nut to crack. It's like it's separate animal, but uh, 
I found like tremendous growth in you obviously do the long form with the, with the, with the podcast and you got the Instagram, you've been pumping out content like crazy. I, I, I love the hustle, bro. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I need to get some, uh, some advice from you though. Cause it's, it's nice to like, like we just had a real hit like million, uh, views. Oh, nice day. bro. But, nice. but I don't, I don't get any followers from it. Like nobody follows. It's just like, yeah. Was it like just it. like a repurposed meme? Yeah. It's just a meme. It's a funny meme. You know? Yeah. So that's, see, the thing is, right. There's no incentive for them to follow you yeah. because it's not your face. Yeah. Sometimes they convert, but I find like those often don't, if it's not, cause you got to become like the cult of personality, right? I know. So well, like well my, my face. face, my face isn't as beautiful as yours, Mike, you know? So. Oh, come on, dude. Come on guy. That's stubble. <laughs> come on, bro. Don't even kid yourself. Come on. <laughs> so dude, tell me what's been, what's been going on in your world, man. Besides just like deadlifting, you know, 700 pounds every day. <laughs> besides deadlifting 700 pounds on a weekly basis. Oh dude. So <laughs> my wife gave birth to our second daughter on September 1st, Serafina Soraya, our second, I'm totally screwed, dude. I got two beautiful girls. I know what I'm gonna do with myself. <laughs> Other than that, man, dude, I've, as of like three months ago, I've fully transitioned to working fully from home, which is such a departure from what I've used to before. Like I own mm. a gym. I was there for hours and hours and hours, moved to the city. Long story short, I was still running out of another gym, but now it's full on. I still do personal training and online coaching. I got a full studio here in front of me, all a bunch of crazy, awesome gym equipment. But other than that, the podcast, bro, um, content creation, but trying to get out a, a ton out there, started a YouTube channel, started a, a mentorship men's coaching business. So, um, just those things have been keeping me busy on top of just being, trying to be a rad dad, man. That's, that's, yeah. much, that's the whole goal. It's such a weird thing being at home all the time though. Like, you know, it was me and Brendan, the guy that I co-host uh, the Masculine Revival podcast with, we were talking about like, it's so funny and it's kind of a joke where we're sitting here in our sweatpants, creating content about masculinity, pontificating about the world in our sweatpants, like sitting there. It's yeah, just dude, I got on sweatpants shorts right now, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, dude. That, but I'm in my, like, socks and my, like, my old shoes. I'm like, who's going to take me seriously with this stuff? Come on. But that, that's really what's been going on, dude. So, yeah. yeah. How about you? Uh, dude, man. Um, you know, same thing, working from home full-time, right? So it still is, you know, it's not my full-time gig, right? So I'm balancing <clears> a lot of stuff. A lot of, you know, a lot of balls in the air for sure, but... Um, yeah, man, just trying to get out the message, right? Like our, our company, our goal is to change the culture, you know, by mm -hmm. creating more epic dads. So, so like totally in alignment with you. And it's like, how do we best do that? And how do we structure our company and our team to be able to get that message out? Cause so many dads need to hear it because yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, it starts with, with the individual. It's like, we want to see this massive change change, societal change. Um, but that's very hard to accomplish. And we need to focus on like, what am I doing as an individual to make myself the best I can be? And then that's going to trickle down to your kids. It's going to trickle down to the yeah. next door neighbor. Right. And so I think that, that that's our goal, man. And, and we're just trying to figure out how do we get the message out? Yeah. That's the most noble goal of all, bro. And, and you know, it's, it, it, our paths are so aligned, even though maybe our content is a little bit different. That's the whole goal with the podcast and the content that we've got, we're putting out is that if we can make one man more virtuous and, within the context of his household, make that a greater place to be as a result of his influence and his presence and his strength, then you can affect the culture at large, right? Like you can affect it in such a meaningful way. So, cause I dude, I posted a reel today. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was like a, a reaction video to a bunch of fathers that actually forgotten their kids' birthdays. Don't even know what their eye colors are, what their teacher's names are, what they go to. It's sad, dude. Like you can actually abandon your family while still being physically in the home. Um, so I, I fall on board and support what you're doing, bro. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We're definitely aligned in that. So I'll, I'll, um, would you mind, Mike, like, I know your background, but would you mind kind of telling the guys, you know, where you came from, you know, what upbringing was like, and then you, you weren't always, you know, uh, of, of this mindset, right? You weren't always yeah. a dad and wanting to become the best dad you can be and kind of help shape the culture. So 
kind of walk us through what does that roadmap look like and what was that pivotal moment for you? Yeah, man. So cut me off if I start talking too much because I, I tend to ramble a bit. But uh, I'm the product of a single parent household. You know, my dad was in and out of my life, a very toxic influence, very promiscuous, you know, drug using, uh, unfaithful, abusive guy to my mom. And that's what I saw growing up. So I was bouncing back and forth between uh, my grandparents on my mother's side and his house. And I remember just a very tumultuous, turbulent uh, childhood. You know, luckily, my brother didn't really experience that. He has no cognition of it, but I have a very vivid memory of that. And so from an early, early age, I knew my purpose on this earth is to be a good dad. And I knew that from like the age of five, dude, like big time. And so growing up, I was always the, the fat kid, really like anxious and depressed most of my life, mainly, you know, I would say now going back because I had that void of, of, of the father wound, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. And so despite being pretty good in sports and school and stuff like that, there's always that insecurity, that looming sort of, you know, uh, depression and existential dread. I dropped out of uh, high school and I figured I'm either going to become a criminal or an entrepreneur because I can't be good in this context, like sitting down, doing what you're told, very rebellious in nature. So I dropped out, graduated through an alternative program. Those teachers ended up being like heroes of mine. And so I, I often like I was an apprentice mechanic. And this is before I discovered the gym. And then I went through kind of a, a weird breakup with a girl <clears throat> back in 2012. I discovered the gym and I got in there just for that, just to kind of get over it type of thing. And so still overweight. I'm 5'11". I was like 240 at the time. And the gym was like the big pivotal moment for me. That was the catalyst for all the meaningful change in my life in, in a huge way. So got in the gym, quickly got hooked up with a powerlifting coach. And so quickly within a year, I got up to about 300 plus pounds. I was going to say so, you have powerlifting. Yeah, you're probably putting on yeah. the muscle. Oh, bro. But it was all kinds of fat, bro. I was, not, I was, I was fat, fat and jacked. PH, so very, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very muscular, you could say. <laughs> and so I remember doing a couple of powerlifting meets and being a very mediocre heavyweight. And so I woke up one day, June, 2014. I'll never forget. And I said, I got to get, like, I was 21 at the time. Um, I was getting lower back pumps, just walking up the stairs and, and, you know, I was falling, I was narcoleptic pretty much. <laughs> I, I wasn't getting any attention from females, needless to say. And so I decided to learn about counting macros. And at the time it was called like, if it fits your macros, IFYM yeah. back in yeah, the day, man. right? Mm -hmm. Right. You remember that? So oh, yeah. I've downloaded my fitness pal. I, I, I bought a food scale. I'll never forget that trip to London drugs that day. And I, I started off with like a ketogenic style diet. But anyways, long story short, a few months later, I dropped like 50 pounds. And I was one of those guys where I was like, yeah, okay. By the time I'm 250, I'm going to have abs. Yeah, that wasn't the case, bro. So I got down to like 240. And then from there, I kind of started to reverse diet. I started to add more calories into my A. And then quickly I was 200 pounds. And then I dieted down to 190 pounds. So within a year and a half, it was 18 months thereabouts, actually less, 14 months. So June 2014 to August 2015, I lost 116 pounds. Good God, man. Yeah, that bro. Is, and it was completely yeah. natural. I barely, I didn't even use creatine protein powder at the time. It was just counting macros, getting my protein. Uh, luckily, I was already dedicated to the gym at that point. Mm -hmm. And I did a photo shoot in August of 2015 in this like shredded state. That was, other than becoming a Christian, getting baptized, becoming a father, obviously, uh, that was the most important turning point in my entire life. Mm -hmm. So from there, I quickly became like a quote unquote like mini celebrity in my gym because they saw that I was working at the gym. I quit my job as a mechanic. And then... um. I hooked up with my best friend at the time and you know, I was dating this girl whose father owned a big real estate company back in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. And he's like, hey, listen, like we got a basement. I'm not going to charge you rent. Let's get a bunch of equipment and put, put some stuff in there and you can train some clients there. So I had this opportunity to start this personal training business with no overhead. Like hmm. talk about like mm -hmm. an underhand throw, you know? And so I maxed out the credit cards. They helped me out with, with, with buying some equipment and I got fired from that gym. And I remember it was April of... March or April of 2016, 
I started my personal training studio, Forza Barbell. And so out of that weight loss came this tremendous business that quickly took off. I was quickly doing 40, 50 hours a week as a self-employed trainer, charging 60, 70, $80 an hour. And a guy that's like 22, 23 years old, making that kind of money. I thought I was on top of the world. I thought I was mm -hmm. rich at the time, right? I was living with my grandpa, no overhead. So I was just stacking all this cash away. But long story short, that, that was easily the most pivotal moment of my life. Like I said, other than becoming a Christian and then a father. And then from there, I mean, it was just kind of like a tale of promiscuity and degeneracy and you know, I guess we could talk about, you know, when I, when I met and how that all coincided, but that I would say that's kind of what's led me here, but there's been a lot of twists and turns along the way. So yeah. Yeah. I want to pull, I kind of want to pull a thread on like your fitness journey, your weight loss journey there. You said it's like, it's one of the most pivotal moments of your life. Um, I would imagine and correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, it was the most pivotal because of the work you put into it. Right. And yeah. understanding like the, like the discipline that needed to make that happen. Yeah, uh, he's going to correlate to the rest of your life, right? Hey, if I can work here, if I can be disciplined, do what I say I'm going to do and actually get the result, then it's just like, bam, I've stacked, you know, confidence over the last year and year and some change that like, I can pretty much do everything, like anything. Th that was exactly it. Honestly, Drew, more, more than, you know, the muscular physique that it gained me, like the leanness mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It was the intangibles and the principles and the values that I learned along the way. Um, that I applied to my personal training business, to my coaching business of just that consistency, that discipline, that, you know, tenacity and work ethic and showing up even when I don't want to, knowing when to pull back necessarily when I don't want to. Um, and, you know, applying those same, I, I've always said this, this, that if you get from the gym is muscles and a higher level of strength, you've missed the forest for the trees because had I not mm -hmm. discovered the gym, I would not have built a successful personal training studio. I would not mm -hmm. have built a successful coaching business or anything in my life that's gone well has been derived from those principles massively. Mm -hmm. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it correlates to just so much in life, right? The gym does. And, you know, it, I think people from the outside looking in to, to your point, if they look at it and they're like, well, you're just trying to like build muscles and, you know, do all this stuff. It's like, no, man, like that, that's it. That is just the natural byproduct of like the mental transformation that goes on, right? Of exactly. understand, understanding like what the consistency looks like, what the discipline looks like, you know, and then you build those habits, you build that confidence. And then all of a sudden, when you head into your office job or head to your, you know, your business that you're running or head to your family, like you just show up so much better. You do, you do. And you know, as guys, we got to understand that um, we're still animals in a way, right? There's, there, there are social hierarchies in every micro situation that we get ourselves in and you want to excel in business, improve your physique. You want to, you know, find, you know, a potential mate for life, improve your physique. Like it's, there's not an area of your life where it doesn't improve so long as you didn't do what I did and let it get to your head and you became a bit of a narcissist. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the downside. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really, um, abusing something that could be quite powerful and using it for just, um, you know, carnal physical pleasure mm -hmm. to put it lightly. You know what I'm saying? So if you can ground yourself in humility, well, dude, there's a reason why people love the rock, right? Is because he's charismatic, he's humble, he's a nice guy, and he's an ogre of a man. And so, like, what I've noticed too is, is like, if 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 I can really let my personality shine, because most people think I'm an asshole. They see me covered in tattoos. They see like the way that I carry myself, and then I open my mouth, and I'm actually a kind person. They love you that much more. So it's, it, there's only benefits to it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like the dichotomy, right? Like I had on uh, Ray Cash um, oh, on sick, the podcast dude. yesterday. Yeah, dude, awesome conversation. It, it'll drop here in a few weeks, but. He always talks about the savage and the servant, right? Is that kind of dichotomy, you know, uh, of that, right? And so I think, you know, when, when, like you said, you walk into the room and people see you and they see a very, you know, in shape person, right? Obviously takes care of themselves physically, 
like sometimes they're going to think to your point of like, well, they must kind of be a little bit harder on the edges, right? They're probably an asset yeah. we'll talk to. But then when you when you show up and you're super respectful, you're super kind, you know, you're super yeah. ser- serving. It's just like you meet both ends of that. You know, it's just it's incredible. Big way, and you know, Ray Cash and Bedros and all those guys, they know that even more than I do. So if you have that like savage outer layer, but on the inside you have like a heart of a servant, that's like the that's like the perfect dichotomy, the perfect sort of yin and yang. And that's why, you know, I, I always say to the guys that I coach that, and you know, if you haven't, if, if you're stagnant in life and you're not in the gym, it's like the, the, the gateway to self-development, the gateway drug is the gym. And I know Bedros talks a lot about that. He's been an mm-hmm. inspiration of mine since I started my gym eight years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, um, talk to me about kind of what you're doing now with the coaching program, you know, obviously with the podcast you guys are doing, like what, what's the intent and kind of what's the message behind it? Yeah, the intention is is really um, we real deficit of masculinity in the world, and there's really two camps. There's there's the super effeminate feminist, new agey, woo woo kind of masculine, feminine energy guys out there, and then you got the red pill, Andrew Tate type of masculinity, which is all I think they're just caricatures of masculinity, just because of this. I firmly think like the epidemic of fatherless homes. So guys are kind of searching for this thing. So what we're trying to do is, is just trying to impact men with virtue. It's like, Hey, listen, guys, it's not in the hedonistic pleasure, the pursuit of material wealth, or, you know, sleeping with a ton of women and worshiping yourself. It's, it's, it's carrying your cross, following Jesus, you know, uh, proclaiming yourself as a Christian, following God and those principles in the Bible. And, and it really masculinity come restraint comes from honor, comes from um, temperance, uh, chastity, all of those things. And I I feel like if you can influence a man to, to take up his cross in those ways while still cultivating some actual like worldly physical masculinity, you can affect the culture at large in a, in a virtuous way. It's you, if you can impact just like what you're doing, if you can impact one man to be a better father, that's going to have a, a, a huge effect and ripple effect on society. So that's what I'm trying to do with the mentorship coaching. It's one-on-one coaching with men. And that's what we're trying to do with uh, the podcast as well. And all the content that we're putting out on YouTube and Instagram as well. So that's overall the, the intent. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to uh, make a living from it as well. Mm-hmm. Not the podcast yet, but the, the, the coaching specifically. So yeah, for sure, man. Um, no, dude, I, I love that. And like on the Andrew Tate thing, kind of this red pill thing, right? Like, I haven't gone down in the world of that. Um, I think we can talk about your background. I think there there may be, you know, some uh, sometimes we can chat about there. But, you know, I feel like Andrew Tate hits the nail on the head in a lot of ways in identifying the problem, mm-hmm. right? He does a great job of identifying the problem. But then I think just, you know, the solutions that he presents, that kind of red pill culture present is most of it is totally wrong. It's like, yes, you're identifying that like, you know, men need to be masculine, right? And the the reason that the decline in culture is because of fatherless homes, is because of the lack of masculinity, right? And traditional masculinity. Mm-hmm. But then the answers and the solutions they propose, I just don't feel like is is in the right direction. Yeah, they get they got all the diagnosis correct most mm-hmm. of the time, like guys like Tate, but the prescriptions are just very wrong. Um, and I, I talk a lot, and listen, like there's some things that are biologically and fundamentally correct about some 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 of the stuff the red pill, you know, those men talk about. And a lot of the stuff that Andrew Tate talks about. The problem is, is you know, when man reaches the other side of 40 or 50, when his body starts to decay, when women aren't really looking at him in the same way anymore. And then when a man is like in that, then that place where it's just pleasure and wealth and fast cars and fast women. So not only are you a biological dead end because you've got no children, um, you're just going to die lonely. Like, I just, I don't mm-hmm. like get a vasectomy. You can go pursue all of this stuff. That's what Rolo mm-hmm. Tomasi, it's like the quote unquote godfather, of the red pill uh, prescribed men do. And uh, same thing with Andrew Tate. It's like, listen, bro, like 
you, you're essentially it's self-worship. And on the other side of that is just a lonely road. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of guys, cause I was in that world and entrenched in it for a long time. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of years ago that I found myself out of it. I can't now, I, I can't imagine my life without my two girls and my wife. Like the yeah. purpose, dude, you know, better than me. You got three kids, yeah. right? Is it three kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three kids. Yeah, so yep. you, dude, like, could you even picture your life without them at this point? No, no, I can't. Be I, better I, than I, that? I don't remember what life was like without kids. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a blur, dude. Yeah. And, and then, but I can remember as well. It's like, I look back and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Right. Like, yeah. you know, like going to the bar, trying to meet chicks and, you know, like pursuing all this like materialistic stuff. Right. And it's like, dude, I, I get so much more fulfillment, you know, out of, out of that of service of my family and service of others. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't imagine without them. Yeah, dude. And you know, you being a good looking guy, a smooth talker, you probably did well with women as well. And that's like a double-edged sword, bro. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I wish I could have met my, met my wife much earlier and not have to go through that mess, but you know, it, it, it is what it is, bro. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you meet? Like what, what did life look like before her? And then yeah. how'd you guys meet? And what does life look like now? So what life looked like before her, it was, it was a pretty like empty, um, you know, promiscuous, I get, that's all you could say really. Like I was trying to live like that, like high value man life, you know, I was making money through the studio. I was having different women come by. And so that was, that was his life. And then it was interesting because I actually met her on Instagram. She, she moved to my, she was born in Lebanon, raised here in Alberta. She moved to Vancouver for, you know, to pursue, I think a scuba diving license. And she was there for a brief period of time. And so she, competed in a powerlifting meet and I saw it because I have a gym in Vancouver like I'm well known in the powerlifting scene so I knew all these people and so she competed and she had a picture with a bunch of uh, some mutual friends so I saw and I had degenerate intentions at time uh, at the time I'm, say, I'm, did, I'm you, did you hit her up or she hit you yeah oh yeah I slid I slid in her dms for sure dude <laughs> oh yeah dude I I I saw her and I was like man who, who's this okay and you know I looked at her Instagram and I said okay there's not like revealing photos on there like it's all very tasteful stuff. So, okay, that's a cool, that's a green flag, but let's slide in there anyways. Let's just see. And so quickly I realized this is a wholesome woman. She was deep in her faith and her faith walk. She had converted, I think, to Christianity that year or the year prior. And uh, I've dated a lot of women and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not because I could wish I could take it all back. But when I say I've never had this experience where I sat down with her when we went to dinner and I had this overwhelming sense of like, holy crap, like this could be the person I could actually marry. No joke. I'm like, I could, I actually joked around with her before that first date. Before I even met her, I'm like, we would make some beautiful children. <laughs> <laughs> I just put her, and, and you know, it came to pass. We got some beautiful girls, bro. So I'm like, oh. Um, and so there was that overwhelming sense. But, you know, she wasn't the type of girl that she, she didn't want to submit me. She, she wanted to wait marriage. All that stuff, very wholesome. Being the degenerate that I was, I didn't how to know how to wrap my head around it. And so we dated for like a month. And I was still in this weird thing with an ex and I still was kind of hanging on to a degenerate life. I almost, almost cheated on her a couple of times. Didn't praise God. So I broke up with her right when COVID it was at its like peak, like March, 2020 when everything kind of like shut down. And so I proceeded to just destroy my life with just, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol. Like it was just a bad, like few months after that. It was everything, just everything with a mask on too. I'm sure. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I always rebelled against shit. I always thought it was bullshit. But yeah, like at first, at least I did. I would say at first I did for sure. Yeah. You know, dude, I, I, know dude, it. Yeah. Sidebar on that. So I, so my voice is a little bit stuffy. So I went to the doctor this morning. I've got like a sinus thing going on. Just go get some oh, yeah. antibiotic, right? I'm like, let me just knock this shit out. I get steroids, antibiotic. And uh, I walk in there and they're like, hey, we need you to put a mask on. I was like, no. I was, I was like, is it required? No, it's not re not required. No. And I was like, well, I'm not putting, I was like, well, I'm not putting one on. And then uh, I got, yeah, and I, got, I got into the back with the, the doctor and she's like, hey, I need you to put this mask on. I was like, no. No, I'm not putting it on. 
and yeah, they don't it, even know how to respond. It, no, they don't. They're like, you know, they're like not used to somebody not being passive. And just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they're not used to and not being an NPC character from a video game and like, yeah, Oh yeah, dude. I'm just going to, I'll just sure. Okay. That's so funny, dude. Good for you for not doing that. Like there's been a couple of times here where they're trying to pull that shit. I'm like, come on. Like, yeah, man, I hope we're not going down that route, you know, in, in, in fall and winter this year. Yeah. Anyway, we yeah, you know, it's actually a rabbit hole with that stuff. Dude. Yeah. Funny sidebar uh, conversation about that too. When my wife was given uh, birth, she went and she took an epidural and the doctor came in and they didn't put a mask on my wife because I would have ripped it off their face, her yeah. face. But they're like, for you to be in this room, you have to wear a mask. Otherwise, you have to step outside. I'm like, I'm not wearing a mask and I'm not going anywhere. And they're just like, Ugh. so I just, it's such a joke. I stepped like three feet to the side and like, that was cool. Mm. It's just, a, it's, it's just such a clown show out here. Anyways. So yeah, degenerate summer of 2020. I remember reaching out to her in, in July um, of that year. Simply because I had I had no faith. So I said, okay, I, I had no intentions of wanting to get back with her. I just wanted to, hey, let's just have a frank conversation about Jesus. That's all I wanted to do. And so we met up at this park. And uh, again, even after that conversation, I, I, I'm like, you know, this this was for a season. And, you know, she deserves somebody that wants, you know, can pour into her the way that she deserves, all that stuff. And then I remember her inviting me, you know, to go out to eat because she knew I was trying to quit drinking at the time. And I thought that was really nice. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to open myself to at least like this really nice friendship, friendship, especially being a brother and a sister in the faith. And so after hanging out a few times, bro, it was like, it, it was so crazy. So much of the quote unquote relational trauma and attachment issues that I had with other girls just disappeared. Hmm. There was no games. It was, everything was on the up and up. And then quickly we ended up in a relationship together. And so, and then we were married. So July, 2020, we kind of started talking again i guess august september we officially got back together we were married of may of the following year with our first child on the way and i honestly I, and this is not on no like putting you on a stuff because i know i fully believe in simping for my wife but everybody i'm the man of the house i can say that i'm good and i'm comfortable in saying that but i don't know what i de deserved or what i did to deserve that chance because had I got anybody else pregnant or it, it would have just been a nightmare. And I look at my life now and I'm just sometimes, bro, like the emotions just overwhelm me. And so now we have two children. I have an almost two-year-old and a one-month-old girl in this house that I built for us. And I'm like, dude, it's so crazy how life can change because all this stuff was 2020. And now it's 2023, bro. It's like. Yeah, think, it's, a, it's a dramatic yeah. shift in, in yeah, a short period of time. Yeah, it's a huge time. shift, bro. Like, I, 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 even now, I'm like, I'm kind of speechless over it. You know what I mean? The fact that I'm even on here with you talking about this to me is like, it's so mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that 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 that's the short story long. You're gonna hear that a lot from me. Yeah, dude, I, I love that, man. It's it's in what meeting the right person can do, right? You know, when you really share a value set, um, and really having somebody like accept you for who you are, you know, and and, okay. and all your all your faults, all the things that you've done, right, but accept you for who you are. You know, I, I, I don't know where I'd without my wife, man. Um, probably dead in a ditch, you know, somewhere <laughs> like, like for real, you, you and I both, you know, bro. Yeah. Real. Um, you know, so I, I met her at a very pivotal point in my life as well. Um, we were at college, so I'm, I'm a little bit older than my wife. So I was a senior, she was a freshman in college. Um, and I, the year prior I had, uh, one of my good buddies commit suicide, um, oh, wow. and just like wrecked my life, man. Um, I was, I was actually the one that, that found him. Um, and we just like brutal, bro. Um, and so I, I was at a point, you know, where same thing, like I was still young. Um, it wasn't being as promiscuous or anything like that, but, but just like in a bad spot, man. I mean, super yeah. like depression, drinking, all this stuff. And I meet her, man. And it's just like everything shifts, bro. You know, so thank you. Huge. It, it, God plays a, a role. But, um, 
we oftentimes don't understand, right. Of, of like yeah. what we're going through. And I think about that, that, that trauma, you know, from my buddy committing suicide. And I, like, I was at a school, like I trans- transferred schools because of that. And it ended up meeting her at the new school. And so when I look back, it's just like, there, there, there is, you know, there is a path, man. I think, um, yeah. sometimes I think about like, and I, I'm struggled and I challenge, I'm challenged sometimes with like, God has a plan, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm like, Hey, does, does he, is everything scripted? Right. It's kind of like the thought, right? Like, is there, you know, there, this, this path, like everything's for a reason. And so part of me thinks like, yes, that's true. Part of me doesn't think that's true, but I think, you know, there are these things that happen in life that you just simply don't understand at the time. Right. And, and it only makes sense looking backwards, you know, and that was one of those for me. Yeah, dude. And, and then when you look backwards and you trace the steps forward, you're like, everything fell into place as it should have. And it's like the most, and then you see God, God at work. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, it's hard to wrap your mind around because we're such feeble minded beings. Like, is all this stuff scripted? Are there multiple paths depending on how we choose to live our lives? Like, I, I'm not equipped to theologically answer that question. Yeah. All I know is lo- looking back, there was certainly a path that he was guiding us both on. And uh, I think to see us both at this point, having this conversation is just a testament to that grace and to mm-hmm. that script where if we're doing things the right way, it tends to work out, man, even through uh, the valleys of, you know, life as a man, life as a father and a husband, life as a business owner, because this life ain't easy and it's not for everybody. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like me and butter all the time. It's like, it's so over. We're so back. It's so over. Yeah, so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like an everyday occurrence, bro. Yeah. There's like, there's this meme, you know, it's like, like what people think business success, like entrepreneurship, like success looks like. And it's like, just yeah. like straight up or to the right, you know? And it's like, no reality. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, like oh, dude, oh, dude, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Our wives, like my, my wife will joke. She's like, like, what, where are you at in the cycle today? <laughs> Yeah, like, oh dude, God, we're, know, we're crushing it. I'm going to be a billionaire. And then it's like, oh, my God, like, we're losing everything. <laughs> yeah, we got to sell the house. We got to leave. What's going on, man? Like, uh, are you gonna, would you follow me under a bridge, babe? Please tell me <laughs> you would. Yeah. No, totally, oh, dude. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't, I, yeah, totally. And I wouldn't have life without that that challenge, right? It's it, it's definitely a shortcut to improvement or self-destruction, depending on how you... <laughs> How you go, you know? No, it, I mean, outside of like the gym, right? And we already talked kind of about fitness, right? I think entrepreneurship is also like the ultimate exercise in personal development, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you're going to have to pre day, right? There, there's not a boss looking over your shoulder that's going to be telling you what to do, you know? And so it's like, it, it is it is up to you to grow it. And it's up to you to figure out like, what are the KPIs you need to be looking at? What are the actions you need to do every day that are drive the business forward? And like, nobody's going to tell you to do it. It's on you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, you know, the, the takeaways from the gym too, right? Is like you just apply the same discipline there and you're good. But mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like you're throwing darts in, in a dark room. You're like, I'm just, I just, I hope this hits. And okay, that was a flop. That was an L. And it's most of it is an L until yeah. you hit the yeah. W and you're like, oh, okay. And then you kind of get a hundred underhand throw and you build some momentum. But bro, a lot of times, man, like that's why one of my biggest prayers every morning is like, God, continue to just light the, the path in front of me, be like the lamppost at my feet, because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's funny, like from the outside looking in, you know, people that maybe aren't, you know, involved in business from an entrepreneurship perspective, you know, see these, these companies and like, man, it's like, they just know what I do. Right. There's like, they got to figure it out. It's like, here's the secret, man. Nobody knows what they're doing. You know, it's like, we, yeah. like, obviously there's some people that have bigger skill sets than others. Right. But we're all trying to figure it out. And I think the biggest thing with entrepreneurship that I've found is be willing to fail, be willing to fail fast, and then be willing yeah. to pivot and learn from that, you know? And the big, I think the big difference between a, a, an entrepreneur and somebody that's like kind of frozen is just, is is 
imperfect action. So many people create a process out of everything, right? Like before I started my YouTube channel, I'm like, I got to get the studio in it. And then I just woke up one day. I was like, no, I'll just record a video. Yeah. I'm just going to record a fucking video and it's going to yep. be shit. Nobody's going to watch it, but yeah. Okay. It was the same thing with Instagram a year ago. And this is the thing, right? It's like people really don't know that they're one post, one page, one video, one podcast recording, one, whatever away from changing their life. And that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Last October, I'm coming up on, on, on close to a year of having my Instagram page. You know, I don't have a massive following. It's like just under 11K, but I went from zero to 11K and I never thought that was even possible. Mm -hmm. And more than that was I literally just ran up to my wife. I'll never forget. And I'm like, babe, take a picture of me because I'm starting this man page. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Start his man page. <laughs> Bro, within yeah. a month, Jack Donovan had shared something in his story. Then Ryan King mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. uh, reposted me a, a bunch mm -hmm. in his stories. And I, I got to give him props because he was the one that put me on hundred mm -hmm. percent. And then Brandon masculine revival, all these guys, you discovered me early on mm -hmm. too. And I'm like, bro, all of a sudden I'm getting people asking me to come on their podcast. I'm like, what the hell? And then a year later, it's like, I got this business, this podcast is doing really well. This page, the difference between a person that is a business owner and somebody that's not, it's like, we're willing to just get things wrong and just do it in a really sloppy way and kind of like refine it as we go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you got to build the airplane as you're crashing, man. Is what I always say, right? Hundred um, percent, dude. You know, is it, it, you got you got to take the leap. You got to take, in, like you said, imperfect action. And I think what what really trips people up is thinking that they have to th have things perfect before they take any action. And that that is, I think, what want to be entrepreneurs, like entrepreneurs, right? Is is feeling like they've got to have it perfect. And like the the secret is that it's not going to be. It's never going to be. You know, no. is yeah. You you take action on it and you pivot. Is what you do. Yep. And it's like people get lost in the weeds, right? They're like, okay, <clears throat> website, business cards. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That page that you want to start, but just like, how else do you know? It's like every shitty post that you have is a data point. Yep. Every yeah. crappy video, every pod, crappy podcast recording. And now look back at like my reels and my posts. I'm like, I can pluck from a lot of data. This mm -hmm. works. This doesn't work. And people just... The thing is, people are strapped up in what other people think, and people have to realize that like nobody's watching you, and nobody yeah. cares. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing too, right? So it's like two things on that. Like one is, you know, um, I don't think what you talk about is controversial, right? But I think given, you know, what our kind of mainstream culture, you know, is, it could mm -hmm. be viewed as controversial. And so, like, one question to you is like, how do you build up the confidence um, to speak what's on your mind, right? Uh, knowing that it's going to ruffle some feathers. So like that, you know, that's one and I forgot the other one. So let's, <laughs> that's okay. We'll go with that. That's a good one. There's a lot to chew on. Um, I'm going to quote my good friend, Will Nolan. Nolan knows on Instagram. He's a talk about, outspoken. I don't think he's I know more, Will. He's more out, outspoken than I am. This guy's like banned on every platform. I love the guy to death. He's, he's amazing. Um, I refuse to be intellectually and spiritually gay for pay. I kept my gym open during COVID. Nobody got sick. I knew it was bullshit. There's a conviction that God gives you as a truth seeker where you're like, you're, you know, you're going to go through fire and you know, you're going to come up against a lot of resistance, but you know, it's like the bully in school. They, they talk a big game. But once you fight back a little bit, they tuck their tail between their legs and they fold like a cheap suit. And so, yeah, I've, I've gotten a lot of hate. I've gotten some even death threats and stuff on my social media, but it's been overwhelming agreement and support because there's not a lot of people speaking truth in this like degenerate, confused, inverted world. So man, I don't know where I got the confidence besides I know that I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror mm -hmm. and look at my children in the face. Yep. And I have to live congruently with the values that I, that I carry as a man. And I know I'm not bigoted. There's not a hateful bone in my body. 
I'm not homophobic, transphobic, and you know, insert phobia here. It's all love. You see me interact with anybody and everybody. I want to just rub elbows with everybody because I think everybody's got something to give. But I also don't give a shit if I offend you because there's just there's not enough of that. And you see this is this like lukewarm piss water because guys are just like rolling over on their backs. Like how many guys got the shot because they wanted to go have a beer? And I told my wife, I'm like, listen, this is going to be over, but we're not going to be able to have a date night for a while. We can't travel for a while, but we're just going to hold down the fort. Trust me, this is going to go away. And I look, look what's happened. Right. So yeah, I don't know necessarily how to teach somebody how to be bold. It's just like, you got to stand for something, man. You got to plant your flag because yeah. fence sitters get no respect and you, 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 you know, you're invisible, man. Yeah, no, dude. I, I think at the end of the day, right. And, and this is, I think I've always had that conviction. Um, and, and I've had a couple of skill sets and I think it's really given to my parents. Right. And it's like the value of discernment, right. That, you know, is, is a big one and knowing, you know, how to cut through all the bullshit, right. As to what, what is fact and like what right decision. So like that, that's one is, is, is discernment. Um, but then is, you know, being able to be bold, to be courageous and to stand on principle is this has really changed since I became a father was, you know, uh, is, is really, I think they phrase this just because it's like, it's so powerful. It's like, you know, not being a hypocrite in my kids' eyes, right? And and yeah. if I'm going to lead them, I need to lead by example, and that's that's going to mean that I'm going to make difficult decisions. And but I I need to be with them because if I if I fold, if I am afraid to use my voice, right? Like, what example am I setting for my kids? You know, it has been the big thing for me. So it's like, can I look myself at the end of, end of the day in the mirror? And say, hey, did I did I do what I and what are my kids gonna think about the decision that I just made, right? And so when it comes down to the shot, for example, I didn't get it. You know, it, it almost cost me my job in the corporate world. Uh, it did cost me my job in the army. Uh, oh wow, yeah, I know a couple guys so, like that. Yeah, well, I'm back now. You know, it's 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 hey, come on. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, come on back now. But um, but no, man. I mean, like, like you know, super difficult time. And same thing was like, hey, we're you know, depending on how this goes, right? And this shakes out. It's like we may not be able to go out to eat. We might, may not, you know, I might get fired, but you know, I had that conviction and I think my wife was 100% behind me, you know, of just like, Hey, this is the right decision, you know? Uh, yeah, so, and it's, yeah. it's probably because you have a track record of making good decisions with her. And she's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to follow, I'll follow you, you know, mm -hmm. like, and that's, that's just the order, right? Like they, they I, I trust you. And then it's more affirming than it, it, it coming true. Sometimes you get those things wrong, but it, this is one of those things where I think every man that has some conviction, some discernment that I think God gives us all. Uh, knew that there was something awry. And I think it, it created like a mass awakening in so many men where now they're kind of critically analyzing every situation now mm -hmm. with a little bit of a different lens and not just buying into um, the cultural zeitgeist as as quickly as you know they historically would have otherwise. Um, and that piece about congruency, man, there's nothing that puts a mirror on your character and your flaws in having children because mm -hmm. it's like this do as I say, not as I do thing is such bullshit. It's like this old school, like, yeah, I can be this way, but I expect you to be different. Children are more attentive to action than they are words. So when I see my little girls and I'm like, how do I want their future husbands to show up? I can't yep. just pour into them. I've got to pour into their mother and mm -hmm. be a living, breathing example of that man. That is very easy to say and very hard to live up to. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, our job as a dad, especially like, like as a girl dad is that exactly is, Hey, how do I model what I hope that my daughters will marry one day? And that like, that's my job, you know, dude, man, I remember with our first child, we didn't find out with the first, we found out with the second. Oh, and we didn't, yeah, first, we didn't either with the first. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and it was a girl, your first one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have two girls and a boy. Yeah. Two girls, two older girls. And then a, a younger, and then boy. the younger boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So when we got that, the, the hospital, 
And I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, little girl parts at birth look like little boy parts from behind. So they showed me her butt. They're like, Mike, you know, dad revealed the gender. And I said, it's a boy. And they're like, no. And I literally said out loud, oh, shit, it's a girl. And my whole world came crashing down. I was like, what the, what the fuck am I doing with a little girl, dude? Oh, my God. And I was confronted with the reality of, like, my past, how mm -hmm. I've been acting up to that point, even with their mother. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, my whole purpose is geared around them not falling for a guy that was like me before. And so I think I have a bit of an upper hand because I can teach them all the tricks that these guys would try to pull on them because I was that guy, right? I got a black belt in that shit, dude. I, I, and I made it out, you know, fairly unscathed. But dude, like, and then we had another, as soon as I had the first girl, I was like, I'm just going to have all girls. This is God's way of saying, you got to learn my son. And that's yeah. cool with me, bro. Because so, somebody's got to raise some virtuous women out here. And I'm, I'm happy that that privilege is bestowed onto me. Um, but it's a different kind of game. I know you have a, you have a young boy and I'm sure it's different. But there's a heaviness to um, raising up a little girl in this world, man, especially mm -hmm. the way that women are treated now. Um, I can't, dude, I can't even listen to some music like old school rap and, and hip hop mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. Like I love metal and I love rap. But when I train, it's a lot of rap. I can't listen to it. It's so degrading toward women. I got mm -hmm. two little girls. Like, how can I show up in that way and listen to this? It's just crazy to me, dude. Yeah. It's, it's changed my whole world, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has me as well. Um, and the older that your girls get, I think the more it's going to start to rock your world, you know? Yeah, they're going to start, start growing into little girls and then young women, you know? And it, it, it is insane, man. My old seven now. And I mean, all, any baby in her is gone. Um, she She's yeah. a girl now, you know? And it's just so crazy, man. And the balance is, is very difficult because... Yeah. On the one hand, you want to be the nurturer, right? And you want to make sure that like daddy's going to take care of everything, right? But on the other hand, it is, hey, you're going to go out into this world that is unkind. It is cruel. It's going to try to take advantage of you. And I need to prepare you to step foot into that. And so I think there's a balance there uh, of them knowing that like you will always have their back um, and you're always going to be there to you know protect them if they, if they need you, but you're not always physically going to be present. And so it's equipping with them, them with those skills you know, to go out in the world. Yeah, well said. And I think, you know, for me, it's trying to toe that line of trying to be and I know it's only going to change as I get older, like my my month old daughter, like a different bond when they come out and they're that, you know, it's the closest mm -hmm. thing to heaven having those newborn snuggles, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. I got my other girl who's two. And the relationship that her and I have now, it's like, she'll say one thing and I'll start to start to just tear up right there on the spot. I'm like, bro, Dude, I, I pretty much cry every day, man, as a dad. <laughs> I feel you, bro. I feel you. And it's it, it, just like you said, it's like, not giving them the rosy colored glass glasses version of the world, mm -hmm. equipping them with those real world skills. But also for me, it's, it's making sure that they, God is with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter will hold out her hands and, and, and she knows to, there were four meals. She'll say, she just started saying, thank you, God and amen. And Jesus. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind over here, bro. She wants to read her Bible without us having to like put it in front of her. And so like you take those two pieces together and I, it, it's hard to fail. When you're doing that, when you're equipping them with the skills to, you know, navigate the world, but also with the spiritual discernment and the skills and knowing that like God is with them, even when their parents and mommy and daddy are not there, you know, it, and also I, I, I pride is not the, the word, but let's just use it for sake of example. I pride myself on, uh, giving them big shoes to fill with their husbands in the future, bro. Because they're going to come by, they're probably going to be scared, I'm probably going to be able to outlift them, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be egotistical about that. Hell yeah, I will be. Are you kidding me, dude? So I'd be like that scene in Bad Boys 2 where uh, Will Smith and Eddie Murphy come to the door with the gun. It's like, how old are you, bro? 
Yeah, like, man, you, you look, look 30. 30. Yeah. <laughs> Guns over the shoulder. They're giving yeah. me up and down the side to side. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And um, with that too, man, like I, I, I 100% agree. It's like we need to set the standard of the minute they're going to to date and to ultimately marry. Um, but with that being said, again, there's a other flip side of the coin. And I've found myself doing this at times, right? Because my my older daughter's seven now. She's kind of a little bit interested in boys. Like not really, but like a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And she talks about this one boy. And like, I've caught myself being like, no, you're not allowed to date, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah. what am I, what am I saying? And you actually think about it and it's like, okay, well, what I'm really reinforcing is that she needs to go behind daddy's back. Right. You know, because yeah, because right. I don't approve of it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So, so I, I, I'm cognizant and very intentional about like, Hey, boys are a natural thing, man. It, it's going to happen. And yep. so, but I want to make sure that the boy that you choose is treating you with respect you know, has, has your best interest in mind, is not going to try to take advantage of you, you know, is actually a decent little boy. And so like, if that's the case, like I'm going to encourage that, you know, of like, it should be a healthy relationship. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, man, because I was raised by immigrant grandparents where it's like, you literally had to hide, hide stuff from them. Mm-hmm. And that was a really dysfunctional thing. I want them to be totally open, but also understanding and respecting my discipline too. When it's like, no, you, you ain't doing that. You're not wearing yeah. that. You're not going there. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. And I think if you raise them up in such a way, they're not going to look for those things and they're going to yep. be repelled by those things. Yeah. And, and not that I would encourage them to date, but I wouldn't necessarily urge them to hide it from me either by being that like tyrannical disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. I, I want to feel, like, well, I'm the father first, but I want them, I want them to feel comfort with me. It's like, mm-hmm. you can come to me with anything. Well, that's part of being a father, you know, especially for, for girls is that comfort, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and so I'm going to recommend a book if you haven't read it, you may have already read it. Um, called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Meg Meeker. Oh, I'm um, going to check that out for sure, bro. Yeah, dude. Great 100%. book, man. Once I became a girl dad, I I read that one like immediately. Uh, and uh, it talks about, you know, the discipline of a father. And it, it specifically gives the example of like going out, you know, in short skirt or whatever when they're teenagers and like the dad being really strict about it. And it was like, well, like you can look at it from two ways. Like the dad is really strict just because he's like overbearing, like he doesn't, you know, he controls her, et cetera. And um, ultimately, at the end of the day, though, it's like your daughter is looking for that from you as a father, because because that shows that you value her. Right. And, you know, it is by not allowing her to go out into that materialistic, you know, world um, dressed like that. It's because you're being strict because you love them so much. And your teenage daughter, even though she's not going to say that, right, that she understands that she's probably going to rebel you know, and, and yeah. be like, dad's so strict, whatever, like, but behind the scenes, like in her brain, the twerking, it's like, Hey, my dad really loves me because he, he cares enough to, to tell me that I need to be like appropriately dressed to go outside. And so it just talk, it's, it, it like goes into like these several chapters about like discipline, like being strict with your daughter and like why that's actually a good thing. I love that, man. I'm definitely going to check that out because that's, I mean, I'm already in, in uncharted territory. I'm like, how do I, how do I do this? Like tangibly. And you know, there's things that, you know, you, you could homeschool and stuff, but I don't want to shelter them either mm-hmm. in the world, but I, I want them to know that to value their chastity, that they're worth more than just what their bodies and their, their faces mm-hmm. look like. And so, and also just to kind of this, this feminist programming that's in a lot of young girls now is like, you can work if you want to. And I want you to be with a man that, that can take care of everything you having to work. But if you choose, you can do that. If you feel good about that, then do that. I want you to feel like you're making something on your own but not because you have to and bring home the bacon. I, I, mm-hmm. I personally don't believe in that. It, it's also that your mo- most precious job is wife and mother. And the fact that that society demonizes that, it's like, that's not a job. You're like, dude, I see my wife 
and what she does around the house and what she does for our kids, there is not a chance in hell I could do that. No, dude. Like I work hard. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like I've got a job. I'm running this. I'm running, you know, like several different things. Right. And it's like, I work hard as shit. But then I look at my wife and I'm like, God damn, like, like same thing. Like I could not do that. I would lose my freaking mind. Like she is just incredible. The amount of like how hard she works. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the soft skills that they have and the, and the patience and just the grace that, you know, God's given them as women. And like, they just biologically, like they just know their children, their children were in their womb. They could, there, there's, that's the closest relationship they're going to any human on this earth. Even us as fathers, it's like, they were, they were, that was their ho house for a bit. And so just to know, like when seeing my wife so devoted in her role as mother and as wife and seeing the ups and downs and the in-betweens and just like the sacrifice, right? Like we sacrifice, of course we do as fathers. Like our job is undervalued in today's world for sure. Um, but there's also this demonization of motherhood and, and being a wife and a homemaker. It's like, dude, like I don't, I can't see how being a doctor, even a doctor as a woman is harder than being a good wife and a good mother. That's a full-time freaking job, 24, seven, 365, bro. I haven't had to deal with the sleepless nights like she has, because she willingly wants to take that on her shoulders and sacrifice her body and all this stuff. So I, I, you know, that's already taken for me because I, I see the way my wife acts. And I know my girls got the best example possible. And mm -hmm. just, I just need to like water the grass and make sure that, you know, water that tree to make sure it, you know, it grows and becomes very fruitful and full. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's no greater purpose for me than that. Like I, I, you know, just like we were saying before, I can't imagine life before, like everything that I now make and create, I just read it in Proverbs, uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his family. It's like they do. That's where my head's at, mm -hmm. you know? And I understand providing for your households, like the barrier to entry, but I also want to provide that fatherhood that like foundation to the home because how many guys can provide but they yep. are garbage dads too right yeah there there's so many different pillars to provision than just financial you know um yeah. and i feel like the majority of dads would would say that is their number one job is is provide financially it's like dude table stakes man um yeah, like that's, to that's totally what, yeah bro. like that's well what said. you're supposed to do you know <laughs> like like everybody needs to do that but how are you showing up and providing your leadership how are you showing up providing the values for the family how are you showing up and providing your vision for the family right so I think provision, you know, encompasses a lot more than just financial. It totally does. And, you know, there's three questions. I think if anybody is listening that are maybe kind of struggling, especially as a man, whether you're married or not, is who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? Your wife, your future wife doesn't want to be led nowhere. So if a man doesn't have something on the horizon that he's looking to, and all he's looking to is his feet or the woman in his life is like his whole purpose, everything crumbles under the weight of that kind of pressure. So it's like, I know what I want for my family, five, 10, 20 years down the line. You know, my, my wife is aware of that. And there's a sense of security that they get from that. You know, my, my daughter, I mean, my daughters don't know, but the suffering that we've had to go through to get to this place, but my wife certainly knows. And there's a security in that. And there's a stability in that too, right? It's like, dude, protection and provision, that's just getting you the foot into the door. Now mm -hmm. be a good dad and mm -hmm. then do those things at the same time. My uh, good friend, Will Nolan, I know I talked about him already. He said, a man's most important job starts when the workday ends. Yep. 100% mm -hmm. agree. Mm -hmm. I know you talk about that a lot too, man. I love, I love the stuff that you put out and it's, it's true. And it, you know, it's so encouraging to me to see this, this huge resurgence of men, you know, kind of trying to return to tradition in this way. I think there's almost like an over fetishization with like the forties and the thirties. They certainly <laughs> had their issues, but you know, let's yeah. just focus on the now and being virtuous dads now, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying, man. Well, Dude, Mike, where uh, where's the best place for people to go find out more about you? 
so I got a YouTube channel, Mike Pantile, uh, Instagram, Mike Pantile. I'm on Twitter, but not as uh, active there. And then definitely check out the, the Masculine Revival podcast. We post a new episode every Wednesday, and it's been going phenomenally well. So those are the places reach well, out. How long, how long has that uh, podcast been going? It's been going on since Ju June, I want to say. Okay. And uh, bro. I'm about, I'm about to subscribe right now. Please do, please do, man. It's been going phenomenally well. It's been inc an incredible blessing. Yeah. Um, so how, often, know, how often are you guys... Uh putting one out there we're putting one out once a week okay 45 minutes to an hour me and brendan record you know on tuesdays and we try to bank episodes where we can but it's like one of those things where that's a dedicated time slot in our week and we don't miss it for anything if we don't have to so yeah awesome dude yeah man subscribe bro uh, so i appreciate you having me on i appreciate you having me on drew i know it's been a, a while we've been trying to get this going i wish you nothing but the best god bless you and your family man and uh, i'm looking forward to What's to come for you, dude? So thank you. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Hey, guys, if you got any value from this episode, which I find it impossible that you did not, so yeah. this is a requirement, is scroll down below and leave us a quick review. A rating, it takes about 30 seconds. And then the biggest thing you can do, if you really believe in our vision and our mission to change the culture by creating epic dads, is to share the show. Um, that is how we get the word out there, right? And so if you got value from it, which I know you did, is I want you to send this episode specifically to a dad in your network that you think they can get value from it. And that is how we're going to grow. So Mike, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. I love your mission. Love your message. Definitely want to stay connected and, and continue to support each other. You know, because I think we're, we're aligned in that, man, is that we need men. We need dads specifically to step up and start being the leaders that they need to be. Amen, bro. Much love to you and make dads great again, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, dude. Let's do it. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, that's going to uh, wrap here and we'll see you on the next episode.